I'm Megan. And I'm Nicole. AKA The The Shallow Shallow Sisters. Sisters. We're just identical twins trying to navigate this crazy thing called life in some rather interesting times. Why life in the shallow end? Well, one, it's obvious. But two, we have learned that if we want to live the life of our dreams, we can't just launch into the deep end. We're here to get vulnerable, get real, and learn a thing or two along the way. Are Are you you ready ready to to jump in? in? So today is our first guest speaker experience. We're so excited. So excited. (laughs) (laughs) And it's with one of our very, very good friends, Aniska, one of the oldest. (laughs) Gotta be careful. (laughs) And she has been an inspiration to us in many, many ways in our lives um, with all of the adventures that she's gone on and the beautiful stories that she has to tell. Um, and she's just so open and honest. That's why we love you so much, Nika. Oh, you guys. No, love you. I know. I mean, we're never the sentimentals. <laughs> <laughs> I know. This is really great. And so today, what me and Nicole have been, it's come up a few times in our podcast previously, talking about body image and body confidence and how we've moved through many of those things in our lives um, from being in like from our teen years, which was like quite a struggle to like really mass trying to really get a hold of it in our 20s. Um, And now we're moving close to 30. And I feel like we've come a long way. I know, right? Can't believe we're all turning. Well, you are 29. I thank you for broadcasting that. (laughs) We're turning 29 and we're almost 30 flirty and thriving, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah, it's such a good movie. movie. <laughs> I think I watched that a hundred times. If no one knows what 13 going on 30 is, you need to watch it. Yeah. You're obviously much younger. Yeah, you can, you can borrow our VHS <laughs> or VCR. <laughs> um, so yeah, so today we're talking about we're gonna we're getting Anika's experience. She is someone that has um, a story to tell in that sector, and Nicole and I can relate. And we we went through we w- saw some her go through some of it. Um, and we're so grateful that she'll, we're so grateful that she's ready to share and you guys. Yeah. With all of you and us, mm-hmm. um, on here. So without further ado, Nicole, you start with the first question. What? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so oh God, it's like a question and answer. I know. I mean, coming from my experience, I know my body image issue started when I was a teenager. So for you, when did this when did this all start for you? Like, I know your journey is a long one. Yeah, it's pretty it long. Um, yeah, I, I really don't know if I can pinpoint, like, a specific time of my life that it started from. But, like, I think every teenager back in the day when fashion magazines were the only type of kind of medium we had, like, there was no social media. Like, there was no Instagram. There was no technology. We hardly had internet. Like, mm-hmm. And you know me, like I spent my days reading fashion magazines. And at that time, the fashion industry was very focused on a specific size of a person. They weren't diverse, either culturally or in body image types at that time. And probably when I was around 16, 17, I started, I guess in my mind, I had like an image in my mind of like, oh, well, I want to look like that model because like, I want to wear her clothes. I want to look like her. I want the clothes to fit like me on her or as I do on her and that was what I wanted to look like Mm -hmm. it wasn't even that I was surrounded by um lots of other thin people like I wasn't overweight ever I was as you know a very active person Mm -hmm. like we did tons of sports and activities we loved a very healthy lifestyle like we didn't eat junk food or 
to a, a normal degree of any no. other child. Like we, and my parents, like we, I've always had a very healthy sort of lifestyle in that regard. It was just, you know, models, like they're the extreme. So, I mean, they are athletes in their own right, which at that time when you're 16 years old, you don't know mm-hmm. how much work it goes into uh, what those types of models do to keep their bodies that thin or that genetics play a very big part. And um, for me, I know that now because I, I'm very much into the fashion industry and I, I know a lot about it. So, um, but at 16, all I'm doing is reading magazines and looking at the clothes and falling in love with the clothes and falling in love with the models. Like I love the models. Mm-hmm. There is something about them that I've just always loved. And I always will love. They're just beautiful creatures of people. I just <laughs> yeah. love them. And, and I wanted to be that. Mm-hmm. And this was even before Victoria's Secret model shows were getting broadcast. And that's like TV. a different type of model too. I feel like, well, Victoria's Secret models are athletes. Like I've seen what they do to get those bodies into shape every season for that one broadcast show. And it's ridiculous. It's they're athletes. It's not ridiculous. It's, and I feel like harder. part of it too is, um, that restricted eating piece. So did that ever play a role in your part? Like even in high school, did you so, find yourself restricting that early? No. So in high school, you still live with your family and I, I didn't have control over anything that I ate because my parents, like my mom is an amazing cook and she never cooked anything unhealthy. Everything was made from like whole ingredients. We lived a very, very healthy lifestyle. My parents are health freaks as mm-hmm. well. They, to this day, go to the gym every single day for five days a week. Like they eat, they don't eat junk food. Like they're just very, very healthy people. So I never, I never had that issue. I think for me, and this may, maybe gets talked about later on in the in the podcast but it was probably more of like a control thing like I was never in control over anything that I had like I would come home and have whatever my mom made for dinner or my mom would bless her she made amazing sandwiches she'd make like the most amazing lunches pretty sure Mm -hmm. I would like trade you for your mom's sandwiches and oh I remember those now and I was like (laughs) Was this you being sneaky and letting Nicole and Megan eat your sandwich? I don't know if it was me being sneaky because, like, I think on those days when we were, like, in foods class and I'd be like, all I want to do is eat all the cookies that we would make in foods class. And my mom would be like, where did you – like, didn't you make cookies today? Like, where did they – like, where are they? And I'm like, kind of ate them. And Megan and Nicole ate my sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) They were so much better than our lunch option. Yeah, but, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, my mom would, like, make – amazing foods and I I didn't I mean I would tell her what I like and not like every everyone has preferences but I wasn't spoiled I was very spoiled for but did it ever start then did you ever find yourself like kind of high maybe having smaller portions or no because I never I had control over that. my portions at that point so when did it start probably like when I moved out and mm. when I finally had control over over what I had because I was doing my own grocery shopping I was the only person that was telling myself what I wanted to eat every day and mm. and the and that was when I moved to England. Like I moved to England right after high school. I went to university in London and I was on my own for a while. I didn't really do the, I didn't gain like the freshman 15. It just wasn't really in my nature, but we did. And you were in London. So you were walking everywhere. Yeah, I was yes, walking everywhere and I didn't really gain any weight. But what I did is lose a lot of weight because mm-hmm. I, and in London, my fashion, I'm not saying that the fashion industry is like the reason for my experiences that I went through I still am as interested or if not more in the industry than I ever was but mm-hmm. you know it's just I was so in the environment of that industry it's London like it's mm-hmm. fashion is everywhere 
if you are looking for it. And I definitely was looking for it. Like I went everywhere to look for it and I see it everywhere. And it's very, very easy. I mean, you know, like the London lifestyle, you don't really eat that much. You walk around a lot, you drink a lot and you smoke a lot. Like, yeah. Right. And like, you guys know, like I, I was socially smoking for a bit. I remember that now, you know, mm. like when I go out and it was like a normal thing I wore, I went through like a, like a, I wouldn't say like a rock phase. Cause I've always been a little bit, like a little bit edgy, but like I, you know, black skinny jeans and band tees for like ever. Mm-hmm. And I would fit into them because I was super thin and I just like walk around everywhere. It was like, you know, like the Amy Winehouse, like the grungy sort of like London scene. And like, that's the scene I was in because I lived in the East end. Like that's where my university was. It was very artsy, very grungy, very and to fit in. That's what you felt like you needed to that's what you wanted subconsciously. To do. I, I mean, think. my friends weren't like that at all. It was like what mm-hmm. it was just the people that I was looking at in who magazines and like who I wanted to be is like what I modeled myself after. Mm-hmm. And I got there like, and yeah. the, and the only reason I got there was because I wasn't eating anything. And you had no one to like really shut it down. No, nobody really held me accountable. I was living on my own. And even when I did have a roommate, she was probably one that the one that, noticed it and cared enough to say something about it nobody else did did you ever know that it was a problem but you were okay with the problem I mean I think I yeah totally like it's not normal going days without like eating more than a banana and maybe like a chicken breast for the entire day what was going on in your head when you were like I can't eat anything else right now it's weird because it's changed over the years like in that time all I remember was I think in my mind, it just, I just convinced myself that I wasn't hungry and I just was, I was genuinely not hungry. Mm-hmm. And like my stomach had shrunk that much that like I would get full very, very easily anyways. Mm-hmm. But I genuinely, I can tell you right now, I was not hungry. Mm-hmm. Like it's definitely different now. How I'm small like, did you get? I was probably at my smallest from what I remember. And when I had a scale, which I didn't always, but like when there was a scale, I would definitely weigh myself. Like if someone had a scale in their bathroom, I'd be on there weighing myself because I didn't have one in my own apartment. But I think I got to 85 or 86 was my smallest, but I hovered around 87, 88, like for a good year or two. And then when I get like when I would get to like 90 one day because I like had a big dinner or something. I would like freak out because I would like, Oh my God, like I gained like two pounds. I, I need to stay back. And I want to What would you stick. do after that? Well, I would just not eat anything. Right. Like I wasn't, I didn't purge. Like I didn't throw up. I wasn't bulimic. I didn't do any of that. Uh, at that time I hadn't discovered laxatives yet. Mm. So literally I was just not eating anything and mm. I was walking everywhere. I didn't go to the gym ever in London. It's, it wasn't a thing then like it is in Vancouver. Like they don't, they didn't really weights. prioritize mm-hmm. healthy living and fitness in that regard. So I didn't have a gym near me. I didn't work out. So I would just walk everywhere. And it was really easy to walk everywhere. One, I was on a student budget, so I didn't like to pay for buses. So I would just walk Fair because enough. the more money I saved, I could spend on clothes. So <laughs> I did. And I would Story walk. Story of your life. <laughs> and like, I wouldn't get tired walking. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't feel hungry because I would be shopping the entire time. So I would just forget And then when I was studying, I was still in control because like I would have, like I would always have a normal breakfast. Like breakfast has always been my favorite meal of the day and it still is. And so I would always have a good breakfast. And then at lunch, I would have like, I don't know, like half of a granola bar, I think. 
And then for dinner, I'd have like a salad. Mm-hmm. It was like vegetables. Like 500 calories. And I wasn't even, and I wasn't drinking either because I was studying. So like I wasn't getting drunk every day. I never, I did not drink wine, for instance, because mm-hmm. it was expensive. And when you're that age, all you want to do is drink to like go out. So like we would just have vodka shots and yeah. like go out like, or vodka sodas or whatever. Mm-hmm. Actually back then it was vodka diet Cokes. <laughs> yeah. my, old, my old roommate would oh my definitely gosh. attest to our vodka diet Coke plans. <laughs> and that's all we would drink. And then I would never do like the 3am bagel trip. I would never do like the late night. Like I was always that one that was like, nah, like I don't really want to do that. Cause I know how bad it is for you. And I was like, I just don't want to gain the weight. And that's how you gain the weight. Cause you're eating at 3am in the morning when you're drunk. Yes. So yes. I would never, and I would never do that. And I wouldn't even go home and do that. Like I would just go to sleep. Yeah. So, so you'd manage to gain control over basically your appetite and yeah, it was like piece. a whole sense of control that I, I had and I liked it because I'm a, I'm an, like an OCD organized control Type break eight. and it was something I had never experienced before because I never had a choice over it ever. Did it help keep you, did you feel any sort of like calm with it or like I'm in control of my life with that and this is like how I can keep that control when things are spiraling? Or if things were kind of getting stressful. It's funny because like I'm not a I'm not a stressful person. Like even when I was studying, I wasn't stressed. I just had a routine and I was very stringent with my routine. I've been very I've always been very stringent in every routine that I've ever had. To this day I still am. Yes. Don't and break ev- it. <laughs> everybody makes fun of me. My parents make fun of me because I like wake up at the same time. I eat at the same times every single day. And like it's just a routine. It's just who I am. Mm-hmm. So I just don't get stressed. So it wasn't like I don't think it was a way of controlling very anxious scenarios or matters or anything like that because I just never had any of those things to deal with. I didn't lead a very dramatic lifestyle. I didn't have things to deal with like that. Like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it was dramatic. I had a dramatic <laughs> lifestyle. I gave her a look, everybody. I gave her a look. <laughs> I feel like there were a lot of stories that came out of London. Yeah, they were like dramatic. I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe I'm just. Forgetting. I remember you being stressed. <laughs> I think I remember visiting you, and I there was a few stories that I remember you being stressed. But you were the only one. You you came to visit me. Megan never came to visit me. I did. No, I walked all the way to Milan from from the station. Fucking, sorry, my <laughs> the station. It was like three hour walk. Oh god, more than that. I think we were stuck there. It was awful. Anyway, um, so what? When did you know it was a problem? What triggered you to know that was a problem or like who triggered? Yeah. Who said it? I convinced myself that it was never a problem because one, I felt like I looked great because I was super thin and I was fitting fitting into into, all the clothes. I mean, not that I didn't fit into clothes. Like I always fit into clothes. At this point I was like getting frustrated because clothes would not fit me anymore. Mm -hmm. Cause I would like go into Zara, which is like, which back then was my favorite shop in London and things would not fit me even in the smallest sizes. And I get frustrated because I was like, well, I really want this pair of jeans and they're not fitting me. But I'd be like, Size yeah, but double zero. And then I was like, Oh, but like, it's just because they're making them too big and I'm just like too thin. And so like, sorry for that kind of thing. Like, and I would go to top shop and like find my size because they did like size 23s. And I was like, this works because they're super skinny and I fit in them and I look great. So I always found a way I was frustrating because my love of clothes was like, well, I want this, but it just doesn't fit. And they don't come in my size. It's too big. So, which to be honest, I still have that problem today, but that's just, I'm just that kind of size. So you are a relatively tiny human. Yeah. Yeah. Even 
now like I would like, but like a healthy tiny. But yeah. What was the day like that day when? So my roommate, and I'm not going to say her name, but she knows who she is if she listens to this podcast. She knows. She's still a dear, dear friend of mine. She uh, she actually contacted my mom mm. behind my back because so she lived with me for we lived together for two years I think and. Not that we ever, like, we didn't have, like, dinners together because we all, we each had very different schedules, like, and very different study schedules. Like, I like studying at home. She liked studying in the library. So we'd never be in the same, she, she'd never be at home when we were studying. Like, I mm-hmm. had my own routine. So even in the mornings, because I woke up at the crack of dawn, like, she never, she never really saw me eat breakfast because I was already done breakfast before she left. And then I was already done dinner because I don't eat dinner late before she came home. So it was the thing. And then... But she didn't notice because I, you just noticed because I was super, super thin. And then when I go out, I wouldn't eat anything with like, any of my friends. I would make excuses and I'd be like, oh, like, I just, I don't want to eat anything. Like, it's Well, fine. I remember you doing that with us at some point. Yeah, I used to do that with you guys all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, we'd be like, we're going to get an appy and a meal. And you're like, I'm just going to get this appy and have, like, one. And then it's just like, we just, we just weren't sure. And it's hard to confront. Yeah. Right? Well, I, I'm, like I can't imagine, hard. like, how hard it was for... Her. It's like so, so hard to just like sit um, Yeah, it was probably so she really hard because she's mom. Yeah, and she was getting really obviously really frustrated with me because she knew I was lying to her like mm-hmm. every day. And I don't, I'm not happy about the fact that I have to lie, but like I justified it in my mind being like, well, they, you know, like she's not going to understand and it's just my lifestyle, like whatever. And then I, yeah, so, but I knew she knew because when I found myself lying to her, that's like when I knew that she knew. So I was mm-hmm. like that. And that's also when I realized in my brain that it was probably not a good thing of what I was doing because I was lying to her about it. And it wasn't normal because if it was normal. I wouldn't have to yeah. lie about it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. And then my mom got involved and I denied it. And I mean, it was never like a big like intervention. Like I never got treatment. I was never fully diagnosed. I, like I knew, and I probably just, my parents were really worried I was also not living with them. I was like still in England. And then even when I moved back, I think when I moved back from England, I was the thinnest I'd ever been. I lived with my aunt and uncle for a bit and my, and they were also really worried to a point where like my aunt out of love was like, I want to measure like your BMI. Like I, like you do not look healthy. Like you can't eat one piece of toast for lunch. Like that is not a thing. And, but she'd never be there either. She'd go to work and I'd stay home studying. So like she'd never know. And you know, like they did their best and they totally did their best. And they take me out for like lavish five-star dinners and like Michelin dinners. And it was great. Uh, but I still was super, super thin. And when I moved home, I probably was the thinnest I had ever been. Mm-hmm. Even when I went to Greece with one of our other friends, I looked back at those photos and I was like, oh my goodness, I was super thin. Like mm-hmm. when that trip I don't know if she's ever said anything about it. I don't, don't think she's ever said anything about it to me before. But, mm-hmm. like, I – at that time, I was like, oh, I look great. Like, my bikinis are amazing. And then, like, today, I still look back at those pictures, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, Jesus yeah. Christ, my legs are, like, the size of my waist. Like, yeah. toothpicks. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And um, so did it stop then, or did you continue? But it's more when you came back to Canada. I mean, I think I got healthier about it when I was in Canada didn't stop. So like I was, but I was also going to the gym now because I was back in Vancouver and the gym was 10 minutes away from my parents' house. So you could exercise yeah, all the extra so, calories off. So I, but so I was like in good shape, but I, and I was eating a little bit more, but like 
I was still going to university, so I could control whatever I was eating when I was out, which was still kind of nothing. And then at that point, I discovered because I, I, I realized like I, I was hungry more often, and I couldn't just like ignore the fact that I was hungry. Mm. I don't know what the change was or not. Like maybe it's just a different or environment, the gym and then but metabolism. I don't know. And so I wanted to eat more. I just didn't want to eat more. You know right. what I mean? So, so then I, I discovered which I guess I've never actually heard this being diagnosed as like a specific like anorexia or bulimia or something like that. But I know it's been done before and which is one of the reasons I'm actually being open about coming onto this because what really spoke to me and what actually really spurred the change in my thinking was hearing other people's experiences. And like when I heard one very prominent person in the industry, uh, talk about her experience and how it was like the exact same as my experience that was the first time where I was like oh my god like someone else is doing this and got out of it and I now realized that like this is not a thing and like I can't do this anymore and it really inspired me to just sort of own it so back to what I was gonna say so this hasn't been diagnosed I don't think maybe I'm wrong I'm not an expert I haven't been to therapy I haven't been to rehab or anything like that so you don't have a DSM book in front of you no I'm like no I'm like I don't like it I've I've never been diagnosed I kind of just self-diagnosed myself and then I self-recovered yeah which is very very rare I would encourage anybody that has this problem to actually go and seek help from somebody that's Mm -hmm. professional um I kind of wish I did back in the day because I probably would have wouldn't have taken me this long to get where I've come to Mm -hmm. but so having said that I found the use of laxatives to help with my control so like I would eat normal during the day and I would like take a bunch of laxatives at night and then like I'd have that like release in the morning and feel like empty and hungry and my stomach would be flat and I'd feel great and I'd be like oh my god like I just had like a huge meal last night but like didn't really matter because look at me now I still like I don't feel full and like this is a it's great almost day. like you like beat the system yeah, like I, felt like I, I felt like I felt like I was like super smart. I'm like, I don't know why more people don't do this. Like when they go for big meals and stuff, or like on a daily basis, like it just empties. It's like going for a colonic, like a, col- a colonic. Yeah, it's like it just empties you right out. So right. I don't know if it's like TMI or whatever, but like yeah. it does. Like it's, uh, we can talk about poop on here, <laughs> <laughs> but it did. So like, and that's what it did. And so I got into the habit of like whenever I knew I was going to be going out for a dinner or like a meal or something. It was also kind of the shield the fact that, like, I didn't want to hide. Like, I didn't want to feel guilty about, like, having, ordering anything. Like, I didn't want to do what I used to do, which is go to dinner with you guys and be like, oh, I don't really want to have anything. I would want people to think that I was normal again so I could order like I was normal. You could order a burger. Yeah, and, like, people would be like, oh, well, she's eating. She's just, like, super thin because she's, like, eating a burger. And she's just, like, naturally like that, which, like, to an extent I am. And I'm very lucky that I am, but, like, not to the eight-pound mm. extent. So I would do that and I would order a burger and then I would like the next day I'd feel fine. So I got into that habit and it became like, how long did it last? Like three years. Wow. Probably like up until like last year. Yeah. It wasn't every, it wasn't every, I didn't go, but it would be an emergency that you'd use it on big occasions where you ate. Honestly, like if I didn't have like a bunch of like laxatives with me at any time, I would be like anxious because I, I mistakenly just like forget and I'd like just eat stuff. Mm-hmm. And then 
I wouldn't have anything with me to just feel like, oh, that's okay. I just ate that. Like, I'll be fine in the morning. Like, I'll be fine in the morning. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't have them there, I'd get so anxious. I'd be like super mad at myself and like just in the worst mood ever. And I just like, so I'd always have to keep one like in my purse, like a pack of them, like in my purse or like something. Mm -hmm. Um, Did anyone notice? Did anyone find out? No. No. And I think it's interesting because I've always kind of had like digestive kind of issues and especially when I've been traveling and like, that's actually where I discovered them was when I was traveling because like any other normal person that uses laxatives, they usually use them when they have like constipation when they're like, and then usually it happens when they're traveling. So a very common thing to do is like buy a pack or whatever before you're traveling. And I'd use them when I was traveling because I do get that, you know, issue, that issue still to this day, still mm-hmm. do. And that's where I kind of originally discovered them because I was like, Oh, well, that was interesting. Like I, right. <laughs> feel great like yeah and then you're like basically reinforced oh I feel so much better now and now every time you eat something more you're going to continue that yeah habit. so what I... stopped it yeah like when did you decide to like end the cycle because that's a hard thing to do yeah and I really really wish I had like your a eureka kind of moment which I kind of did but like when I was doing the laxative stuff that's when I kind of knew like I had an issue mm. like I knew I had a problem like for sure I just couldn't stop doing it because I wanted to, now I wanted to eat everything I wanted to eat. Now I wasn't like, Oh, I like, I don't care about that stuff. Like I actually yeah. wanted to eat what I wanted, like the burger or whatever. Like you like food. You do like food. Yeah. I'm like a foodie. Like I yeah. fucking love food. Sorry. <laughs> We're dropping <laughs> F-bombs today on this episode. I'll just put it in the show notes. <laughs> You're talking to a lawyer. I swear every <laughs> second word. So okay, I've been good so far. Okay. I've been good so far. But no, so I, I love food. Like I love trying new things. Like I, I love going to restaurants. Like I just love it, but I wanted to love it and still fit into like my 23 inch waist jeans Mm -hmm. and like, which I still do, but like not to the same extent. And I want to still like look good in the clothes that I, I want to look a certain way in the clothes that I buy, because that's the image I have in my mind from reading all those fashion magazines back in the day that like, that's what I want to look like clothes I want clothes to hang on me rather than cling to me sort of thing mm-hmm. so so I wanted my cake and I wanted to eat it too at the yeah, same time. you know what I mean so so that happened and I knew it was an issue that entire time like as soon as that started I was like well this is, this is not sustainable and uh I was also like I said I couldn't control like I I just wouldn't be able to not eat because I was actually hungry like a normal person my stomach had obviously expanded like to a normal size. And I, when I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And I am really, really hungry when I'm mm-hmm. hungry. And you're right. I was going to the gym. I'm an avid workout freak. Like, and at that point I didn't realize that there was a direct correlation with how hungry you get and how much exercise you were doing. Which <laughs> sounds stupid, but like, but in your head, like it finally but I like, didn't because like yeah. when I was walking miles and miles a day in London and not getting hungry, that for me was like, that's, a lot of exercise and I don't need to eat anything. So this is like a different kind of exercise when you're like exerting that much energy at a very small period of time mm-hmm. and you need to real refuel your, your body and you can't really do that with magazines and wine. Yeah. So, no. <laughs> so, so when did you stop? What did, what did you, what did you just do cold Turkey? Did you yeah, get actually, caught? No, I, no, I had never gotten caught. People still notice that I have very odd eating habits. Mm-hmm. Like my family have noticed my friends, to some point, coworkers, my old coworkers used to be like, oh, well, Anika doesn't really eat anything. So like, and they make comments and like those comments, any, like, even when people would say like, oh, like you're so thin, like that is not something to say to someone that has an eating disorder. Like 
you just can't even say that. Like, Did you feel good when people told you that? No, I would feel very, very self-conscious when people said I was too thin or like super thin. I hated it because to me, I didn't think I was too thin or super thin. I just thought I looked great. And then when they say that, it almost gave me more anxiety. And it, it's funny because you think you want to eat more when someone tells you you're too thin, but it makes me, I made me want to eat less. Hmm. It would be like, okay, well, I don't want to eat anything ever. Like, I just don't want anyone to make any comments. I can't deal with these comments. Mm-hmm. And everybody goes through those comments. Like, I still get those comments today being like, well, like, how are you so thin? Oh, my God. Like, you're like an extra small. And I'm like, please don't fucking say that. One thing I want to say is that I think we should all as humans stop commenting on each other's images. Oh, 100%. Because mm-hmm. this is the perpetuating issue. Because we only get praise for when we've lost weight. Oh, yeah. Punishment. For when we've gained weight and we make up these stories in our heads. And so it's I think any like, comments around that, even if they're good or bad, like, oh, you're so thin right now, you look great. Like, just say you look great. Like, don't even put the size into it because yeah. it it has a different and everybody's different. For me, if someone even uses like the word like, oh, you're so thin, or like, oh, whatever, mm-hmm. I'd rather you say you're in great shape or you look really healthy. Even that to this day is a little bit sensitive, but because healthy me looking healthy. Like- no, well, me looking healthy was like people knew I was like yeah. healthy again. You like know? you're putting on weight. Yeah, yeah. And then Which when, also when, it's when, when people were like, "You look so healthy," I'd be like, "Oh my god, that means like like put on weight." Yeah, that literally, means, like, like, yeah. Any, like I look yeah. chubby somewhere. Because like when like people would say like, "Oh, you look great," like oh, like you look like your face looks fuller, I'd be like, "Okay, well, that's gonna be like two days of not eating anything." Like, thanks. You know, like it's just I just don't I feel that. I feel that, and I. Don't. You're on your own health journey as well, right, Nicole? We're all on our, I think we're all on some sort of journey, but yeah. it's, it's the, having that commenting, like, you know, you've lost enough weight if someone comments on it. Which is like a pro and con. Yeah. When someone's actually But also, to, why yeah. is our, why is our worth tied to our weight? Or like, why does it have to be the first thing? Why does it have to, to be the first thing? Well, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, and, like I don't I ever... look for that. Like, I know that oh, my I workouts are going well me. when people tell me, wow, like, you look so fit, you look so good. Yeah, I want to say, yeah, I love being told I look super fit or, like, I look like I'm in shape or, like, when I'm strong. And... But then if you don't get that feedback, then you're like, oh, no. Well, I mean, I'm not searching for it either. But I think you've also made it to the other side. Yeah, no, so... It. So I guess I kind of didn't answer your question in terms of how I got to the other side. Oh, yeah. We'll go back. One, two, three, go. All right. So making to the other side. Tell us. Yeah. No, uh, I guess I didn't really answer that last time around. So like I said, like I kind of did it myself. Like I didn't go and get therapy. I didn't go and talk to anybody really about it. I didn't talk to like my family. I didn't talk to my friends about me finding this new found thinking of this mm-hmm. is not right sort of thing. Like, and I would really recommend that if you do have any, any, uh, problems or need support in this area to go and speak to someone who is an expert, because I think it would have made a really big difference and would have made me realize that I needed to figure this out a lot earlier than I did. So, um, so that's what I would recommend. I'm not an expert on this. I just kind of lived was, it. was on my own journey and was lucky to get out the other side, like, mm-hmm. I do not have very good willpower in general. Um, but with this, I think there's something switched in my mind. And I was like, I don't want to do this forever. It's not sustainable. It doesn't sustain like the lifestyle that I wanted to have. Like I, I do have a high stress job, even though I don't get stressful, but it's a very different lifestyle. Like I don't get to have set 
times where I get to eat things because I work late sometimes or I work through lunch sometimes or, or that kind of stuff or like I have events to go to and it's not the type of thing that you can have that lifestyle and still be in control of everything unless you want your clients to judge you and your colleagues to judge you and ask mm-hmm. questions, which I didn't want. And I didn't want, like, I liked going to events and I liked doing all that. Like I do, I love that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I didn't want that to, to hinder me or be even a thought in my mind anymore. Mm-hmm. Like there are ways to go to restaurants and go to events and like still be healthy and like not feel like you're unhealthy. Like, mm-hmm. and not to cause alarm. to be Yeah. Healthy. And like, mm-hmm. I went through like the plant-based thing, which I, I, I'm a super big supporter of. I don't judge anybody's eating preferences. I was plant-based for like two and a half years. I loved it. Nobody judged me. I didn't ask any questions about anyone else. I just know now after I've, like I said, been on the other side, I changed my diet a little bit, but I mean, I eat a more vegetarian based meal than meat, but I still have like chicken and stuff. Like, it's Mm -hmm. just a thing. Like everybody has their own, whatever works for them. And so like, I don't judge anybody, but I felt like people were judging me on like based on what I was doing on a day-to-day basis, probably rightly so because I really was not eating anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I didn't want that anymore. Side, when, yeah. What triggered you? What um, pushed you to the, yeah. So it was actually a, a specific person. Um, and she's spoken about this in public, so I will name her. Um, Melissa Wood, uh, she is a New York based workout trainer. She has her own method. It's like a Pilates yoga, um, kind of combination it's not a high intensity workout, which I've learned now that I actually do like, but mm-hmm. hers is all about like lengthening and leaning and movement every day. And I love her meditations and her just whole kind of lifestyle. She's so positive and she's so open about everything. And she has been through the same thing that I've been through. Like I, I listened to two podcasts that she did with the skinny confidential. And when I listened to those, I have never related to somebody so much like I related to her experience I just had never talked to anybody about it so I'd never heard anybody else's experience and I never felt that anybody had gone through the same thing as I did because like I said I wasn't a bulimic and I wasn't I was anorexic but like the laxative things was like a different level and I had never heard anybody do that I thought it was just me it was very like I was shameful I was Mm -hmm. I hid it from everybody I thought it was gross like because it kind of isn't you know like it just I didn't feel open enough to say it. And when I heard her say it and how she changed everything and she had kids and she's gotten through it and she's such a, like her energy just is so addicting. Like it's just, you, you gravitate towards her energy. She's so positive. I love her. Melissa, if you listen to this, (laughs) I love you. Like I just, I do your workouts religiously and your meditations and your positive attitude and your kids are so cute. It sounds like she changed your trajectory. She did. Honestly, I didn't, I mean, I, I attribute everything to her. Like, I'm so thankful for her, really. I don't even know her, and I, like, love her because one person can change your thought process, and this is kind of why I wanted to come on here, and I was finally comfortable with talking about it because if one person had that effect on me, like, I, if I have a, a, one effect on one person, mm-hmm. I would be so happy about that because mm-hmm. it really just takes one person for you, for someone to relate with when they're in a really dark place to get them out of the dark place. And for me, it was Melissa and her story. And it just kind of changed like the way I viewed myself and the way I, well, the way my, the way my workouts changed, like my workouts changed the way that I treated my body changed. And it just kind of set you on like the right path forward, I think. And like my relationship with food has definitely changed. Like I'm a, 
I'm a, I, I'm a very clean eater. Like I, I eat very wholesome foods. I don't get takeout very often. Like I just don't like, I just, it's I just love, not natural for you to do. No, like I, I like going to restaurants and stuff, but like, I'm not the kind of girl that's going to order like super saucy things or like soup, like pasta. I never order pastas. I just don't uh-huh. sauces. I'm also lactose. And it's okay that's... if you do though. No, totally. <laughs> no, but it's like 100%. everyone's personal preference. Like for me, like I'm, I'm more of like a chicken breast and rice. Kind like of, your you stomach know. feels better when you eat those types of things. Yeah. Like I just uh-huh. eat, I don't like sauces and stuff. Like don't really sit my mind unless like my mom is making curries from scratch, you know, like it's just like a different thing. She's the best cook in the world. Yeah, she really is. Yeah. <laughs> like she actually is. Grammy's the best. I am very grateful to have her, but like, and her curries are not the same as normal curries. Like mm. she's always made them without butter, for instance, and yeah, like without the creams. Like she doesn't. Just as good. Yeah. Like we, I've grown up a lot. Some people that are used to heavy Indian curries would maybe not like her curries because they're so light, still super flavorful, but like super mm-hmm. light. And that's what I've grown up with. So when I actually go to an Indian restaurant and have like a restaurant version curry, I'm like, what even is this? This is not even <laughs> not my mom's curry. Is, and I, you feel gross. Like and it, people generally do feel gross because of all After the eating like a, Yeah. A heavy cream meal can be like good going down, oh, yeah. but not good sitting in there. It's <laughs> a great go for a nice walk after. <laughs> go for a nice long walk. But like my thing is like, do I what do, makes your body feel yeah, like I love, like I said, I'm a foodie. I love going to restaurants, especially mm-hmm. like Vancouver. Like I just, I have my set restaurants. That I love to go to, I love trying new things, but I don't do that every day. Mm-hmm. I limit myself and I'm more like, I, I don't have processed foods in my apartment. For instance, like whenever I have like crackers and, and Megan's eyeing the popcorn that I have. And I only bought that today because you guys are coming over. So, <laughs> so I only buy that stuff when I have but like, it's still okay. I think, I, I think, think it's okay. But for me, I know my limits. Like if I have that in my apartment, I will eat the entire bag because I know yeah. I don't have like, that is like, that's a trigger. Like if I have like snacks in my cupboard, yeah. I don't really have that control at the moment because I used to just rely on laxatives and I'd be like, Oh, I'll just eat the entire bag and I'll be fine. Like, right. I just can't. I so don't you have- still have this like sense of, you still are very much aware of where you've come from and where you are now. And you just have to make sure that you're managing the trigger. Yeah, for sure. It. And like, I think I'll get there. Like, like I said, it's, yeah, it's, it's still a process. I think like you said, it's only, it was like last year. Yeah, it's like last year. Stopped. So it's still a process. Obviously things still trigger me. And like, I'll probably ask you to take that bag with you because like, <laughs> I don't trust like, but I, but then I'll you feel will. gross. And I, and like my emotion, like it's, it's more emotional. Have you ever thought about seeking out support around this? Stuff? I have. Yeah, totally. I have. I, and I probably will. Like I, it's probably it's finding the right person. Yeah, I think so. Like I'm not opposed to it at all. Like I'd love to mm-hmm. talk about this kind of stuff and a ton of other stuff that probably would come up. Yeah. And like I said, it is. I think right everyone person. needs a counselor for sure. I I've, <laughs> I've always wanted to see a counselor. I probably think I'm crazy. Just so I, can I talk, love mine. Just yeah. so I can get like an expert opinion on how crazy I am. It's not like <laughs> if I'm crazy or not. It's like the limits. But we're to not like, crazy. We're all just we're just all a product of our environment. And maybe I shouldn't use the word crazy. I take it back. Yeah, and we're working through it. Yeah, everybody has. Everybody you do has, uncover things in counseling though that you didn't even realize were sure. blocking you. Yeah. So but that could be every, your own. Sort everybody of crazy. has stuff that they are working through. Mental like, health is real, and mental health is good. Like our mental health, you just want to find it. You want to make it optimal. Mm-hmm. Honestly, though, mental like wellness. I have to say, like during like during this isolation pandemic kind of thing, like mm-hmm. I've been on my own for a good two months. Straight. Yeah, like this is the first time I've ever had like. Rec- 
by the way, we are socially distanced. Like, we're not, like, sitting super I close. I forget my boundaries sometimes. But, like, the most part, yeah. you guys are the first people I've, like, kind of had over, which is, uh-huh. like, great. And it's so nice to have human contact. Yeah. But, like, I live on my own. I don't have a spouse or a partner or mm-hmm. a roommate. So I've been on my own. And Hard. it's gotten – it's given me the chance to really reset. Like, mm-hmm. I think I mentioned to Nicole a couple days ago, I was like, yeah, like, I was kind of, like, still eating, like, unhealthy. And, I like, I saw – because I wasn't taking like eating laxatives anymore. I saw, you know, different changes in my body that I, that I wasn't exactly liking. I was like, well, I kind of don't like how this is going because eating junk food every day is not sustainable in terms of how I fit into my clothes. So, yes. which is like, important it's, to still, you. it's, it's important very important to you. to you. Well, some of my clothes don't actually fit me anymore, That's which I'm good. totally like, I it's found okay. that out a couple weeks ago and I was like, you know what? That's because I am not like a, 22 inch waist and like I actually am eating things that are also not 22 (laughs) yeah and I'm also not 22 like (laughs) that's also another thing like I don't have the same metabolism as I used to which I never thought that would actually catch up to me but it does let me tell you it does so yeah and And I think it's being okay with the fluctuations that our bodies go through throughout our life of course oh yeah like I'm mentally preparing for like it's I know when I get pregnant it's gonna trigger it will trigger me too yeah it'll trigger me for sure I already feel a lot of like, I know there's a lot of people on Instagram and social media talking about um, being okay with that post-pregnancy body. A lot of people don't. Like, Melissa's... It's scary for a lot of one. people. Like, Melissa went through two children. And so she's had two children, and she looks phenomenal. But then like, there's phenomenal. that pressure to be phenomenal That's Yeah, for sure. Which is really hard because I... Not work, everybody has a trainer. And that's, like, a whole other topic is, yeah. like... Cause I work with a lot of moms and like, holy man, like when they've just had, like when you've had kids, you think you can have a trainer and you think you can get that body again, but like not everyone's going to. And it's also like you have a child. It's also another thing about genetics. Like look at my mom, like my mom never had a trainer and she, I don't know, like obviously the listeners have never seen her, but you've seen her and she's in better shape than I am. Like Mm -hmm, she, People at the gym call her the Iron Woman. But do you find that she has some some history in some of this, too? Like, in body image issues as well? I don't actually know. I've never talked to her about it. That'd be interesting. Hey, Mom. Can we have you on the podcast and we talk about this? Call me, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is a good topic, though. I mean, we can talk about this forever. And I feel like there's probably, like, part two that could come out of this. part two, we actually might bring Megan on, as she's already on here. We might talk about Megan's... Journey. Journey through fitness. The fitness yeah. and how that was actually Actually Megan is one masked, of the people But it was mass it was as an eating disorder. Like it was like disordered eating habits. Disordered eating yeah. habits, yes. I mean I feel like we don't have to categorize it as the DSM would because that's not necessary. I don't know what a DSM is. Oh. <laughs> it's a diagnostic manual for psychology. There we go. Yeah. It's like where they put all the different diagnoses of mental health because oh. it's nice to categorize there you know you like you would be an eating disorder uncategorized i'm pretty sure that's a category that is a category yeah i mean you learn new things every day i'm not a scientist nor a psychologist you're a lawyer yeah, yeah. there yeah. you go so i don't know any so we bring megan on to talk about her journey through food and body image in that way yeah I think that's really from that like gaining muscle dropping fat kind of phase and then the and that's and really something went through right after yeah which was pretty intense mm-hmm. what i remember that? When you, like, right after the competition. Oh, yeah. That was really hard. That was, hard. That was really hard. It's all a mental game, and it's really, yeah, I think yeah. we'll have to continue this Body dysmorphia, probably, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, yeah, it's like, I don't know, like, I don't expect, so I just want to maybe end. Sum it know. up? Yeah, like. Let's sum it up. My whole reason Takeaways. for coming on this podcast, one, because I feel super comfortable with you guys, because 
you saw me at my lowest and you've seen me at my highest and you've known me for like 20 years. Mm -hmm. Not really. It's more like 16 years. But, <laughs> you know, we're rounding to a 20. long time. A long but time. yeah, a very long time. Um, and we've talked about this before. Like I've opened up to you guys many times about this and you're one of the two of the people that I feel comfortable enough to talk about with. And I'm not really ashamed of it anymore because I am on the other side. Like, so I, I'm not ashamed of like people that I work with knowing or like my family knowing or like my friends that I've never known, but kind of had a suspicion knowing. And our podcast listeners knowing. Yeah. yeah. Like if I just, anything, it almost like allows people to really understand you. And yeah. Your story there's that. A little bit and more. I, for me, it's more like I, I don't care what people think. And I also know how much this helps other people that might be suffering from the same thing. So mm -hmm. it's if more you common are judging likely. me, then don't talk, then don't talk to me because I'm not, I don't have any time for judgment, but like, I understand that people have their own opinions and yeah, it is another, I'm a generally very private person, especially yeah, when it comes, yeah, like other than you guys, cause you're like my sisters, but like, mm -hmm. I'm a generally very private person. I don't talk about stuff like this very often, but this is like a, another layer of my life that I guess I'm letting people into. And usually it's just love storytelling. Yeah. Usually it's just fashion. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is another topic yeah. for another day. So if you want to, if you're struggling with this and want to contact Anika. Oh, I'm we'll happy her... to answer any questions or, you know, if we'll you just need someone to talk to about it. Like yeah. I, I, there's no judgment happening there. We'll put her. How can we find you Anika? Yeah, how can we find you? Probably on Instagram. Mm -hmm. What's your handle? My handle is my name. So Anika Sander. And I know the twins will probably put my. We'll put it in the show notes. Handle in there. Take yeah. a browse. It's pretty fashion-y. Which <laughs> is what I intended to be. Because I'm a fashion freak. But. Fashionista. Fashionika. Fashionika. <laughs> there it is. That's, that was, <laughs> that's your hashtag. That was my old blog. Oh, I hope oh, that comes yeah. back. Yeah, let's bring the blog back. I mean, that was. I started my blog for blogs were a thing. I know. Sure Can did. you imagine if it kept going? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I became a lawyer instead. Could have been a blogger. Could have been a blogger. Could have sold so, my soul. Yeah, so that's it, really. Yeah, that's it. Jumping out. And I hope everyone's doing great, though. If, you're, if you are suffering from this, I'm with you. I've been through it. You're not alone. Mm -hmm. And please talk to someone. Talk yeah. to me. All right. Yeah. Laura, jumping out. Okay. Jumping out with right. you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for spending this time with us on the Life in the Shallow End podcast. We are so grateful you listened in and we are excited to hear from you. If you feel so inclined, we would love for you to leave us a review and let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to dive deeper into. It will help our journey to connecting and supporting those who are striving to live their most authentic lives. You can find us on Instagram at Life in the Shallow End. We'd love to connect with you personally, so definitely give us a follow. Until next time, we hope to see you back in the shallow end soon. Bye! Bye.